everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Drew Peterson. I'm just kidding. That would be disgusting. Ooh. And you would be murdered. This is A Date with Dateline. Just I just started it off grossing everybody out. No one's listening anymore. No. This episode is called Infamous. And it was a big one. And... A lot of people seem to know a lot about this case and we're a little over Drew Peterson. Both of us, totally ignorant. No idea. I mean, I knew who he was, but I did not know the details. So for us, this is going to be brand new information and we're going to be pretty amped. I really didn't know anything. As you sound the opposite of amped. Sorry, I was trying to, I honestly thought for a moment what my mom said to me, which is, oh, this is Modesto? Because she thought it was Scott Peterson. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then in my head, I was like, wait, is this the staircase Peterson? There are so many Petersons. Yeah. Can we just, there's so many. A lot of people make the jokes that you shouldn't marry a Peterson. We know a Peterson. Yeah. And he's a great guy. Yeah. His wife is still alive. So I'm not going to say don't marry a Peterson. But what I will say is if you are a Mrs. Peterson, don't take a bath. Don't buy a home with stairs. Don't sign up for life insurance. Don't accept a beverage from your husband. Just take all the usual precautions that any wife should do that we have learned from Dateline. I think that's a great rule. If you marry a Peterson, be cautious. Yeah. Be aware. You should be anyways, though. Let's be real. You should, but maybe a little extra much. Yeah. If that's the case. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to shun all Petersons. Not yet. Not yet. Let's see. If there's one more, then I will. If there's one more. We're- I need four before I fully shun a whole last name. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Uh, this is season 30, episode nine. It aired on November 19th, 2021, hosted by Natalie Morales, who we love and are probably not going to get any more of because she's ending with Dateline at the end of this year. So this might be our very last Natalie. And what a way to go. It's really good to see Natalie. I'm sad she's leaving us. Yes, it is. We love her and we're going to miss her. Yeah, we are. So we are going to split this one into two parts because there's so much stuff and we are both really new to this case. So we really want to talk about it. Also, we're guessing that Dateline will be a repeat next week for Thanksgiving. So we would have to pick a repeat. And instead of doing that, we're just going to do this in two parts. Take the week off. Don't tell anybody. It's okay. I think they understand. I think they understand that we could take Thanksgiving off. And also, this is a huge case that neither of us knew about. So there's a lot of outside info. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. And we're going to try to all record in one sitting. We're going to be a little loopy on part two, but you'll love it. It'll be fun. Happy Thanksgiving. You'll be a little loopy too, because it'll be Thanksgiving. So there you go. First of all, we are starting with the disappearance of Stacy Peterson, but she's not the only one. No, ma'am. Unfortunately. We are outside of Chicago in Illinois. Her husband is Drew Peterson. So if you didn't want to hear me talk about mustaches for an hour and a half, this might not be the episode for you. I'm just warning you. I'm going to be talking about his mustache. The mustache itself never changes. Stuff around it changes. But the- You're wrong. The stash- Oh, I'm sorry. There are some things that changed. Seems about right. But you watch on your phone. It's too small. No, I watched on a big screen. Oh, (laughs) All right. This is perfect timing for Movember. And I'm not saying Dateline did it on purpose, but wouldn't that be pretty brilliant if they did? And if you're not aware, Movember is an annual event 
that involves men growing their mustaches. For prostate cancer awareness? For actually for all men's health issues. Oh, I thought I was specific. Never mind. I kind of did too, but I looked it up. It's for prostate cancer. It's for colon cancer. It's for mental health and suicide prevention for men. Oh, that's great. It's for a lot of things. And they grow their mustache out and they raise money during November. So good branding. If that was a choice by NBC, I don't think it was. Also in this episode, but this will be part two, Drew sits down for a new interview inside prison and Dateline shows us that interview at the very beginning. They are not doing the surprise. Can you tell if this person is in prison? They are like, if you don't know this case by now, then I don't know what to tell you. Right. Get with the program. It's like people that don't want spoilers because they're watching Game of Thrones. It's like, you've had years. Where were you when we were all doing this together? Right. Also, I've never seen the Rob Lowe TV movie. And I just want to say that flat out because people are probably going to be expecting us to bring it up. Never saw it. No, neither one of us have seen it. He wears a mustache. And it's pretty freaky. It's bad casting. It's shocking. And he has like blonde hair. It's very disturbing. Sorry, I can just say that straight off the bat because Rob Lowe is a handsome actor. Yes. And Drew Peterson is not. No. Can't change his face that much. He has a kind of a creepy aura, though, that does something. Well, I'm sure he's a good actor. He has like a a pretty face almost. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yes, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. So it's weird to see him. He's an interesting choice when you've got other actors that have a more character-driven type face instead Mm -hmm. of, I mean, Rob Lowe is like a, a beauty actor, you know? Yeah, he's a beauty actor. Interesting. All right. We are in Bolingbrook, Illinois in 2007. And we meet first Stacey Peterson's sister, Cassandra Kales. Wonderful person, great name hero of the episode. Fantastic. Also, just a, that's a great name. Cassandra? That could be like a superhero. Cassandra Kales? Yeah. Superhero. So she doesn't hear from her sister Stacy one day. Stacy's husband, Drew, says he hasn't heard from her. And he's a police sergeant, so he has a mustache. And it's kind of, at this point, gray slash blonde handlebar. Mm-hmm. And... It changes color and shape throughout the episode. By nighttime, everyone is trying to reach Stacy. We see missing flyers, friendly reminder. I've said it before. I would not like my weight to be mentioned on my missing flyer. Got it. You'll probably be in charge of that. So don't sign off on that. If you do, I will haunt you. Do you accept these terms? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to do whatever I think is going to get you found. I think that I will be the Daniel Day-Lewis in this situation. Let me be very clear. (laughs) I will find you. We see a massive search party for Stacy. You know, I love a search party and people were so passionate about finding her. This one has dogs too. I love a search party with dogs. Apparently, Stacy had a huge heart. She had four kids with Drew. We'll find out more about that later. And her sister, Cassandra, was so upset that she had to go to the doctor to get a sedative because the two of them were everything to each other. They had a very rough childhood. Their mom suffered from alcoholism and depression. And when the girls were teenagers, she disappeared too. (gasps) Where was Drew Peterson? Which Peterson killed her? I think it was more like the kind of disappeared that she ran off. But she never showed back up again. And was done being a mom. 
it was a different kind of missing, but still missing. Still missing. They did live with their dad. Yes, but it wasn't good at their dad's. That's all we know. Heart, it, it heart, heartbreak. Yes, heart, it heart, it, yes, it was very sad. Yeah, it hearted me. Stacy was working hard to graduate from high school when she was, this is when she was 16. We're, sorry, we were reround a little. So 16, she's trying to graduate from high school early. She has a job at a hotel where she's trying to save up money for college. And she's hanging out with a new guy, Drew. Now she tells her sister they're only friends. She is 16 at that time. When she graduates from high school at 17, Suddenly, she's living in a nice apartment with all leather furniture, which I guess is the height of luxury. It's expensive. That's the thing. Clearly, Drew is paying for everything. And they apparently met at the hotel where she was working. He was 47. OMG. She's 70. I gave it a bing. And the law of consent in Illinois is, you guessed it, 17. 17. So he's... 30 years older than her, and they've been dating since she was 17, but really 16. Let's get real. They were hiding it, and they were dating at 16, which isn't so much dating as it is grooming and sexual abuse. There we go. Gross. And to be clear, because I know someone is probably going to be offended by this, it is not the 30-year age difference that is bothering us. It is the fact that he's almost 50, and she's a literal child with daddy issues. That's nasty. She's not 30 and he's 60. No, exactly. It's a different age difference here. Yes, they are not both adults. This is Courtney Stodden. This is BS. This is something that makes your skin crawl. Yeah. He was twice divorced and his third marriage was imploding. Oh, great. So he's actually still married while he's dating an actual teenager. What a guy. What a fine representation of the, the Bolingbroke Police Department. They must be so proud. He is disgusting. He's a turd. He had four children, two of whom were older than Stacy. Love when that happens. I'm pretty sure his terrible 90s mustache is also older than her. Although actually we do see him occasionally shaven lip, which is even almost more disturbing than the mustache because it. Looks like there's supposed to be hair there. He's walking around with his naked face and it's creepy. Mm -hmm. Naked face is worse than mustache. I'm not a fan of any of his face. No. Hair, no hair. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I'm not a fan. He has a doughy middle-aged white man face, but make it creepy. And then that's what you've got. Yeah. His brother, Paul, is talking publicly for the first time to Dateline. He says he was bothered by the age difference. Shocking. That's a hot take, Paul. We are all bothered by the age difference. Good. Also, they keep showing photos of Stacy with her braces on. They sure do. And it is so much worse. And I feel like they're doing that on purpose. I kind of need to know when she got them off. I know. I I hate to say that, but I I really need to know when. Because, you know, like on 90 Day Fiance, Brittany has braces and she dates men in their 80s. And so she keeps them because they she says they like them. She says they like it. Right. I just I need to know if she got them off before she was 16. Yeah. Someone check that for us. I have a feeling the answer is no. So Stacy was looking for a father figure, obviously, and security. And he was a predator who knew which girls to prey on. 
and he picked her. She saw in him security and a family life that she never had. So when she was 19, they had their first child. They then got married. I believe he has no mustache at that point. Mm. And five months later, Drew's ex-wife, who the divorce was finally finalized. We'll more on that later. His ex-wife, who is his third wife, Kathleen Savio, dies suddenly five months after he marries Stacy. Stacy then kindly adopts the two kids that were Kathleen's because she loved kids. And Stacy and Drew had another child. So that's four that Stacy and Drew are currently raising. And he has two that are older and out of the house. Stacy loved having a real family. Drew loved his mustache. Sometimes I wish I could grow a mustache and a beard to cover up the horrible chin acne. I get it every few weeks and then it continues on until the next week. Do you have any ideas, Katie? I have many ideas. Number one, I don't think you can grow a beard. You can try. I'm not going to strike you down, but I think that might not be an option for you. And I think if you try to glue one on, it's going to make it worse. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, irritation from the glue. Right. That's just my opinion. But I understand breakouts and I understand breakouts also at the worst possible time. A really particular bad breakout I had was actually right before I had a dream job interview. This is about five or six years ago. And one of the worst things about cystic acne is because it develops in large bumps, it's not something you can easily cover. Yes. You can't cover a bump with makeup. So you turn slightly to the side of your face and the bump is suddenly visible. And it's pretty noticeable, not to mention being extremely painful. So I really wanted this job, but I don't think I did as well as I wanted to in the interview because I was so focused on keeping my head at the exact right (laughs) angle that it wouldn't turn to either side that I think I came off a little odd. Yes. And I think I couldn't really quite focus on giving the best answers I could. Let's just say I'm really, really glad those days are behind me. And those days are behind me because of apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and your medical history. You take a few selfies and your dermatologist will create a customized treatment plan just for you. Apostrophe treats acne. It's certainly treated my acne, but they can also help you with your other skincare goals like reducing redness or wrinkles or the dreaded dark spots. How dare you? Sorry, they're new. They're terrifying. We all have to handle them. Get Apostrophe to help. I have been so happy with my treatments from Apostrophe. I use an oral medication to treat my acne and I use a topical medication to treat my skin texture problems since having really, really bad acne for so long. And the apostrophe service has been a dream. It's really nice to know that I had a real dermatologist that I was working with and that my plan was specifically tailored to me. It was so quick and I didn't need to wait forever for an appointment, which has been a big problem in the past and why I hadn't gotten help before. So if you're like me, check out Apostrophe. And we have a special deal for our listeners. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash date dateline. When you use our code date dateline, this code is available only to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline, click begin visit, use our code date dateline when you sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Amazing. 
How is that even? Cheaper than a fancy cup of coffee. That's incredible. For your future of clear skin. Awesome. I don't believe you. It's true. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash date dateline and use that code date dateline to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. Thank you so much, Apostrophe, for putting a period at the end of my skin troubles. Woohoo. Thank you, Apostrophe. Thank you. We meet a local reporter, Joe Hosey. And he's from the Joliet News. And we know someone from Joliet that we were just talking about. And that is such a coincidence because we haven't talked about her in a while. And it just happened. I thought you didn't believe in coincidence. I don't. So that must mean she's in danger. We must contact her. She's not in danger. Maybe Joe's in danger. We should send a letter. Okay. Joe had written about Kathleen's death, which is wife number three, in a bathtub. And I was like, no, another bathtub mystery. At least this time we won't be agonizing over whether or not he did it, like in the bathtub mystery episode. So when local reporter is talking about how Kathleen's death is suspicious, Natalie interjects with, he's a police sergeant. Very gossipy, which I love. Like she's gossiping with a best friend. They're sitting outside of Starbucks. And it made me so happy. And I kind of wished that we had gossiped with her when we had the chance. I should have brought prime gossip. Yeah, why didn't you? I bet she's a good gossiper. (sighs) So Kathleen's sister, Sue, describes her as kind and a very good mother. Kathleen had split with Drew after 10 years of marriage. They shared custody of their sons. He had a dark hair, dark mustache situation going on at that time. And because it's the lower, it's dark, the lower part of the handlebar is more pronounced. It is two inch parallel vertical lines like tire tracks that would be used to identify a killer on Dateline. That's the longest I think I've seen it. It's the longest. You're absolutely correct. Most of the time we see it much shorter. But you saw you saw a handlebar in 2007 and I didn't see it come down to the bottom lip. To me, it stopped at the top lip. It just came down a little, but not to the bottom lip, which means it's not a handlebar. Well, sometimes with the very lighter gray, it's hard to tell if it's taking a trip down south for winter on each side of his mouth or if it's not. Also, does he have a butt chin or only sometimes? No, he doesn't. He just has razor burn a lot. Okay, there we go. But also, I did not spend a lot of time looking at his face. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you were watching from behind your fingers because it was disturbing. Yeah, I don't just don't care about his face. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you got a mustache. We got it. <laughs> In 2004, Scott tried to drop the kids off at Kathleen's house down the street, which is very nice for the kids to have them that close. But that is, I find that a little too close to live. It's too close. It's a little close. He's down the street with his teenage bride and she's, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That would drive me insane. Unless you are super, super amicable with your ex, then I don't recommend this. And they were not amicable at all. This seems like the opposite of amicable. Yeah. Unamicable. Unamicable. There we go. (laughs) She does not answer the door. He asks a neighbor to go into her house. And he says to the neighbor, she wouldn't want me inside of her house, no matter what the circumstances. Or you just want someone else to find the body. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious what you're doing here. So the neighbor finds her in the tub. Drew comes in and checks for a pulse and screams, 
what am I going to tell the children? What am I going to tell my children? And then he calls 911. You should tell your children that you forgot to call 911 right away, even though you're a cop. No, he called. I mean, he's he's shouting and then calls the police, right? Was it 15 minutes later? I don't know. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Sorry, do they not say that he got a locksmith? No. How was how does Dateline say that he was let into the house? They don't say. Oh, okay. So spoiler alert. He called a locksmith to be let into the house and still had the neighbor go in. Yeah, that's very strange. That's very strange, right? Okay, there we go. Oh, and he also called her best friend. Yes, he did. That's a weird thing too. Because he wanted more people to suffer by seeing her deceased. Yeah, that's messed up. Don't call the best friend. Please don't call the best friend. But that does bring in the question, how would he have let himself in if he did it? If he called a locksmith? We don't really know the answer to that. I think it's all a big show. That he already had access like a key, a secret key. Of course, of course. This huge hubbubaloo calling a locksmith, well, I can't get in. She won't give me a key. You know, which still makes her look bad. Uh Uh-huh. Still kind of digging at her. Oh, he loves to make someone deceased look bad. He gets off on that. Loves it. Especially women, which we'll get to later. He pushes every button I've got. Yes. I think he pushes every button most women have, to be honest. Yes, absolutely. He does this whole thing of calling Locksmith, calling the best friend, getting the neighbors over, doing this big thing, and then wailing, you know, and putting on a big show once inside. Yeah. It's all this kind of gross theatricalness that disgusts me. It's disgusting. At this point, I noticed that there is another Kathleen that is married to a Peterson that has died. Michael Peterson's wife was Kathleen Peterson. We can't have this. That's a coincidence. If your name is Kathleen Peterson. I actually know a Kathleen Peterson. And every time I see her, I'm like, how is she not dead? Do you call her? Do you call her often? You should call her once a week. No, I don't know her. I kind of just know her through work. And so every time I see her name, I'm like, oh, she's still I feel like you should check her socials often. The owls didn't get her. So Drew tells Kathleen's family that she drowned. She took a sleeping pill. She had probably had some wine and she drowned. And because Drew is a police officer, the Illinois State Police takes over the investigation. The bathtub was dry and streaked with blood from a wound on her head. So instead of damp hair, dry body, like we had in the bathtub mystery, we have bloody head, dry tub. But all dried, I'm assuming, because this is days later. He showed up with the kids for two nights in a row trying to drop them off. So she had presumably been deceased for at least 48 hours by the time her body is found. So everything is kind of, which makes it all the harder, I feel like, for them to figure out what's going on. The coroner says it was an accident. She must have slipped and hit her head and drowned. And... The tub was dry because the water had slowly drained Mm -hmm. from it, which I think happens with most bathtub stoppers over a course of days, right? Yeah. Not maybe hours, unless it's not a good stopper. I would say every tub I have. Yeah. It just sort of real slow goes out. I mean, I would love a tub that doesn't. Yeah. I have my eyes out. (laughs) I want that for you. But I don't think I'm ever going to get one. I really want that for you. I would really like a good tub. Yeah, that's what I would buy you if we got won the lottery. If we had a lot of money, you'd buy me a tub. I would buy you a tub. And I'd buy you a boat. Thank you. I feel like one of us is getting the short straw there. You need to buy me a really nice tub. (laughs) 
I would like the top of the line tub. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a fair trade. The local reporter was suspicious and he wants to pursue the story because he's suspicious that he had written all about Kathleen's death and he thought there was something fishy about it, but his editor said it was ruled an accident. You just let it go. So he stops writing about it. But now three years later, Stacy is missing, wife number four. And so he writes a story about the two women and if it's possibly connected, is Drew involved? And he wasn't sure the story had legs and knew how to use them. (laughs) But his local paper is owned by the Chicago Sun-Times and they run the story and suddenly it's national news and reporters from all over the country descend on Bolingbrook and on Drew Street. They're filming everything. They're filming the search parties. They're filming vigils. They're filming as Drew's brother, Paul, and his wife, Norma, more on them later, move into the house to help Drew with the kids. And they show the police pulling boxes out of his house because they're searching his house and they're calling him a person of interest. He hasn't spoken publicly until one night the reporters knock on his door and... They have their microphones all pointed at the door and he's hiding behind the door. You can't see his face. The door is open just a little bit. And he says, never again will I allow myself to have overdue library books, which is such a dad joke. So he's doing dad joke after dad joke. And I think he got some sort of reaction from those reporters that sparked his inner theater geek or something his inner fire that had always wanted to be a stand-up comic so that he could nail more chicks. And he thinks, this is my turn. I'm technically single now. And I have a great sense of humor. And so he is now going to metaphorically open the door all the way and show the world his humor and talk to every single reporter that wants to interview him. It is the Drew show. It is hard to watch. (laughs) It's painful. It hurts. It burns. A little bit. And honestly, this case wouldn't even be that famous if he hadn't been this crazy in front of the cameras. Obnoxious? Is that the word that you're looking for? Yeah. Just blowhard? Off-putting. It's bothersome and... Something that rhymes with bass. Bass hat, I want to call him. Yeah, that's good. But the reporters keep coming back because he puts on these shenanigans. And if he had just not the reporters would have eventually gone away. So Drew resigns from the police department and he spends- Thank God. His, now he has loads of free time and he spends his time standing in the driveway riffing for reporters. He is doing stand-up. Like, who's here from out of town? So what's the deal with teenage brides going missing? Am I right? Oh, you flew in from Pennsylvania. Boy, your arms must be tired. Yep. At one point, he says, can you repeat the question? Not you, the other reporter. She's prettier than you are. I I don't have enough stuff to throw. Like, I... mm -mm. It's so smarmy. He is a a smarmy, smirking, smarmmeister. And it's just so cheesy and gross. And that poor reporter woman. No, I think he's talking to a man. He's talking to a man, but he's referencing a woman. Yes, he's saying she's prettier than you, but he's saying that. I don't think he's saying that to another woman. He could be. No, he's saying it to a man. He's doing a cheesy joke. Yes. But it sounded like a male voice that spoke. Somewhere in his brain, 
he confused charm with schmarm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened here. Because he thinks he's being super charming and delightful and all oh, the chicks dig him. He thinks he's like a game show host. You know why? Because when he tells women in the grocery store that they should smile more, he gets a chuckle and he thinks it's because he's charming. The chuckle is, this guy is so creepy. He's going to follow me to my car if I don't laugh at his joke. And he's misunderstanding and thinks he's Mr. Charm. You're right. That's exactly what happened. So also his mustache here is not a handlebar. It's more straight across, but with tiny little isosceles triangles pointed downward, almost like a vampire tooth, a mini, mini vampire tooth. Yeah, it's a little strange. Seems right. The local reporter is there for all of this. He looks like a baby. He looks like a like an intern. His hair's all shaggy. I said young Corey Haim. <laughs> Full on. He's like that 90s Corey Feldman, Corey Haim type. Yeah. You see him in his denim jacket. Young Joe. I couldn't. It was great. Yes, young Joe. He says that Drew was acting like a celebrity being chased by the paparazzi and he's acting like he is loving it. At one point, we see him telling the reporters that he's lost 30 pounds. And if anyone is looking for a weight loss program, just kill your wife. I mean, have your wife go missing. It's smirk, smirk, smirk. Aren't I funny? Is an agent watching? I'm looking for representation. Seriously. He thinks he's going to get discovered and maybe is going to get a sitcom called Drew. Oh, he does. Drew's Diner. At least at the minimum, he's going to get an HBO special. 100%. Yeah. He appears on the radio with a shock jock called Man Cow. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Man Cow definitely has a poster of Howard Stern up in the studio. That is his hero. And he interviews Drew not just once. They become buds. Well, he's kind of disgusted by Drew, but he knows Drew has great ratings. So he knows that he's not supposed to ask about the murders, but he does. And Drew is happy to talk about anything. He says, no, he didn't do it, but he's not offended. He tells another clip. We see a reporter. Drew is chewing gum because he's super cool, which always reminds me of that Seinfeld bit, like leaning back in your chair in the classroom, like, yeah, teach. Sure, I did my homework. And you're chewing gum. It makes you look very cool and casual. He might as well flick a toothpick. (laughs) Why did we not see him with a toothpick? He's such a toothpick guy. Oh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure at some point. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's going to flick it into, he litters. We know he litters. And he flicks it and the poor reporter gets stuck in the eye or something. It gets stuck in her hair. Ugh. Yeah. So he's, Telling this reporter as he's chewing gum, he's like, every day it's something new. I'm waiting for my eighth grade prom date to show up and say I was a bad kisser. I mean, I don't think I was, but you know. I love that he can't even finish that joke because he needs to qualify that. I I mean, it wasn't. I'm totally, I mean, my thing is huge. I mean, it's that (laughs) level. Do you know what I'm saying? Where he can't let that go. He can't let you think. He can't let it go. He can't even have it be a joke because somebody watching might think he actually is a bad kisser. He's definitely the world's greatest lover. Let's be very clear about that. And he's going to let you know. Yeah. Oh. And then we see him do this shuffling away like he's at the end of a tap number when you shuffle off stage. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? What is it? What's the frog? 
Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. All right, I'm girl. Yeah, that's what he's doing. One hundred percent, and he's laughing. Also, we haven't mentioned this, but he has a very thick the bears Midwest accent that I will not be attempting. Okay. Because you just heard how bad it was. It's not that bad. That shuffling move killed me. Shuffle off to prison, buddy. There we go. Do you ham it up to the press? Are you a class clown on the outside because you're too scared to look inside? Mm-mm. Are you seeking validation from reporters and shock jocks because you aren't internally validating yourself? Better help can help you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. Because when you leave your house, you're bombarded with news people just demanding to be entertained. And what will those female journalists do if you don't call them pretty? It's too much pressure for a natural born performer such as yourself. Stay inside and start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with BetterHelp, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like, I'm about to say something really dumb on national TV. Should I do it? Your counselor will respond because it's their job and they are here no matter what. They will absolutely respond. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. States like Illinois, where they have the bears, but also depression. Yeah. BetterHelp has counselors. I was so proud of that joke. I really thought I'd get a laugh. That's real good. That's a 10 out of 10. Thank you. I'm just admiring it. Oh, okay. It's very good. That's what your silence was. I'm almost writing it down. Where's my pen? (laughs) BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, sleeping problems, it's LGBTQ plus issues, marriage problems. BetterHelp is easy. It's confidential. It's affordable. Contact them today to start living a happier life. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com dot com slash dateline. Join over one million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp h e l p dot com slash dateline. Because we can all use a little better help. Thank you, better help. Thank you, better help. Katie, let's talk jewelry and let's talk gifts for the holidays. I don't have a better segue than that, but I did just get some amazing gifts that I don't want to talk too much about because somebody might be listening to the show, but I got some great gifts for people in my life. What about you? And I'm going to say, I almost didn't want to do this ad because I also got some amazing (laughs) gifts for people that I didn't want to talk about on the show, but hopefully she won't listen or I can direct her away from this part. We are talking about AnnaLuisa.com. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Anna Luisa. They have some of the most timeless, chic, and just flat out pretty pieces that I have seen in many a search for quality jewelry. And right now, if you go to shop.analuisa.com slash date dateline, they are having the most fantastic sale. Buy one, get one 60% off. Wow. Yeah, you can get a lot of stuff. And right now we are entering that time of year where gifts are given and thoughtful gifts can get a tear from those you love. Oh, I love a tear. I know, right? It's the best. I was able to get a very special necklace for my sister this year that I feel like it might get a tear. I gave her the Suzanne earrings for her birthday that are little ear hugger hoops and she never takes them off. Oh. I know, right? I think the Ursa Marine necklace with its tiny, it has like these tiny precious stones in it. It's so delicate and pretty. It's like the perfect necklace for a t-shirt or a little black dress. 
And I love that about Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa is just so good at that. It's jewelry that works with dressing up or dressing down. And that is really hard to do. Ana Luisa was founded to bring clarity to the jewelry industry. They design pieces with a beautiful story from beginning to end, starting with recycled materials whenever possible, transparent business practices always, and small batches that are kind to the earth. Limited batches ensure the highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste, which we are all about here at A Date with Dateline. And let's talk really quick about carbon neutral. Ana Luisa offset 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials all the way to the disposal of their pieces. It's exceptional quality, long-lasting pieces crafted with care from the best noble metals, and they offer a 365-day warranty. So when you're trying to figure out gifts for this season, for yourself or for those you love, you must check out Ana Luisa. Don't forget, you can get 60% off the second item you purchase if you go to shop.analuisa.com forward slash date dateline. It's a fantastic sale because you deserve some really nice luxury jewelry that doesn't put you in the red this holiday season. Stay in the black and get some great jewelry for those and those you love. Thank you, Ana Luisa. Thank you, Ana Luisa. So Drew is shticking, for lack of a better word, in front of these reporters. He's shticking, he's performing, he's riffing, he's teasing, he's doing every single verb except searching for his missing wife. And it's very, let's distract from the issue of my missing wife with my antics. Let's wag the dogs more. It's a lot of also that he doesn't care about something really important. 100%. There's no gravity of the situation of missing wife. 100%. Zero gravitas. Yes. The mother of his children. Just the last part of the word. Yeah. And when reporters try to ask why he's not searching for Stacy, suddenly doesn't want to joke around anymore. He pulls up his hood like Kim Kardashian leaving the Ivy. And it's like, no more questions. It's ridiculous. It really is. Drew says that Stacy had taken cash and a bikini and left her family for a new guy. I have many questions. Is he saying she took no clothes, just a bikini or clothes as well? No, he's just being a jerk. What about money? He said she took cash and a bikini. Oh, he did say cash. Sorry, cash is money. Apologies. He's being a jerk. He's saying that's why I'm not searching for her because she's not missing. She left me. She doesn't want to be found. He's basically calling her something that begins with an SL and not saying those words, which I'm sure he has said. And I'm sure he said it on that shock jock station. Yeah. That she was, you know, going out with men, whatever. You know, he's he's going to make up whatever makes him look like a victim. Mm-hmm. And this makes her look awful. Yeah. A family member tells police... He helped Drew move a big barrel to Drew's car the night Stacy disappeared. He never looked in the barrel. He feels terrible that he played any part of it. I do wonder why they did not put a wire on him and have him question Drew about it. What was in that barrel we moved the night Stacy disappeared? Maybe because of what I said. Maybe. Re- records show, records show, Records show. Uh, that Drew's phone was near a canal that night, the night that Stacy disappeared. They search, they can't find anything. Cassandra, her sister, 
is going to be searching that canal for the entire rest of the episode. She does at the beginning too. We The first opening shot is her on the boat. The first shot we see and the last shot we see is poor Cassandra searching, sometimes using her own money to search that canal. I got to say, I think the canal's a red herring. But his phone was there. Is there a pup in your house? Yeah, Ginger. Hi, Ginger. Yeah, I know the phone was there, but I think he knew that the phone would show there. Interesting. That's very interesting. I think what you're looking for is something near it, but not in the water. I think he knows they're going to waste a lot of time if it goes this far looking in the water. That's very smart. So I think it might be somewhere else. But then Oliver made the very good point that there are dogs. Oliver didn't know that if the dogs would be able to smell through a barrel. Right. So you might be looking for something buried. Mm -hmm. It's just a thought because it did seem to have some wetlands around it or just some area, some wooded area. Yeah. I would definitely be focused on some sort of land, like one of those searches where they search for things under the ground in that area, but not in the water. Yeah. And I might write a letter. You should. We don't know for sure that they didn't search in the surroundings areas. I don't. And I'm sure they thought of it, but would I feel... uh, I hope they did because I feel like he's throwing off the scent on purpose. Yeah. The police decide to name him as a suspect and this does not stop Drew from talking. He says to the police, yeah, I'm a suspect. I was always a suspect. And he has a garment bag slung over his back like he's about to do an appearance on Leno. 100%. I was so, the garment bag upset me maybe more than anything and I don't know why. I was really upset about the garment bag. It's literally like the paparazzi have caught him being dropped off outside to go backstage at Leno where he's doing an appearance. Also, wouldn't he and Leno get along so well? They would have so many dad jokes together. No, I don't think so. Because Leno wouldn't murder anybody. I think he thinks he's funnier than Leno. I think he wants Leno's job. Let's be clear. He wants Leno's job. You're so right. He thinks he's better. So I think he'd actually be a disaster. Also, it's the combo of the garment bag and the wraparound sunglasses that I I can't abide. (laughs) Yeah. I can't abide. Yeah. I can't. So meanwhile, Kathleen's family and friends are hoping that now that Stacy's missing, the truth might come out about Kathleen. They want the police to reopen her case because they called it an accident at the time. Her sister, Sue, thought that he was a great guy At the time, he was a cop. They got married really quickly. They had two sons, Kathleen and Drew. He made friends with the neighbors when they moved into their house. He offered out his lawnmower if they needed it, which in a male friendship is like driving you to the airport or helping you move, I think. That's a big level of trust. You getting that from King of the Hill? No. Where are you getting that from? But yeah, I could say King of the Hill, he never lends out his lawnmower. Right. He's not even close enough friends with Dale because Dale ruins everything. (laughs) Yeah. But Drew was horrible to Kathleen behind closed doors. He called her an ugly dog. One day she gets an anonymous letter that says, your husband is having an affair with a girl in her teens. Kathleen was shocked. Kathleen wanted a divorce. She wanted half of everything. He said no. Then Stacy gets pregnant And Kathleen very kindly agrees to a divorce so that he can marry Stacy because she's pregnant, even though the terms of the divorce haven't been worked out yet. So 
when they get married, the financial side is still being litigated. Because of one very specific thing. Because of his pension. Which is a big, the minute they said pension, <laughs> Oliver goes, oh, oh, the pension. The pension. <laughs> and I said, is that, and he's, it's huge. Yeah. It's a lot of money. For a police officer. Yeah. For her getting half of it, that's a lot. But she's also raising his children. Yeah. So I really, I don't have a lot of time for it. He continued to harass Kathleen after he married Stacy, trying to get her to cave on her demands. He would drive past her house and watch her. He would get violent. Apparently, he snuck into her house and held a knife to her throat. He said, I can kill you now and make it look like an accident. She reported this to the police. But when she eventually did die from an accident, they were like, he's one of us. It's fine. She called the police apparently a bunch of times and the police would come over and they would make chit chat with Drew, who is their buddy. One of the times she was even charged with domestic battery. This is sickening. After all of this, they still don't look deeply into her case. They tell her sister, Sue, you need to stop bothering us or we're going to charge you for bothering us about your sister who died because we ignored all of the times she called and said he was abusing her and threatening her. The flames on the side of my face. I'm really impressed though that she did keep calling. She did keep calling and I'll get to it later when we do Twitter, but the pastor who we later meet tweeted a lot during the episode and he said she called 18 times. She was charged with things nine times. He was not charged once. I don't know what else she could have done in this situation. What else could she have done? The only thing that I could possibly think is try to record it. Right. Try to get a recording, give it to people you trust, and go straight to the state police. We've seen the blue line before, and this is one of the worst I've ever seen. It's pretty rough. There are a lot of websites that I saw that were help for wives of police officers or men too, if your spouse is a police officer. So it's specific for getting help when you're calling police, but it's not working because of your situation. Exactly. Understood. That's good that those resources are out there because this would feel really hopeless. I'm impressed that she kept calling. Absolutely. Good for her. So Drew's sister-in-law, remember his brother, Paul, He's married to a woman named Norma. She was always bothered by Kathleen's death. She knew what a disaster their marriage was. And she thought she drowned in a bathtub two weeks before they were going to court to settle everything financially, which Dateline doesn't tell us. Norma tells us. They let Norma spell spell that out for us. I like that. That it was two weeks before they were going to court to settle everything. She dies in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. She saw Drew's need to control in his new marriage with Stacy. He would call her incessantly. She saw a bruise on Stacy, and Stacy said Drew pushed her. Norma didn't go to the police because she didn't think they'd do anything. And she was probably right, sadly. Mm-hmm. Cassandra, Stacy's sister, saw Stacy go flying across the room. This is really bad. Drew and Stacy sought counseling through the church. Now we meet the pastor. His name is Neil Shorey, and he becomes way more important to the story than I thought he was. Very important. So I had to go back and write down his name. Pastor Neil. 
the pastor is kind of counseling them in their marriage. One day, Drew says, hey, pastor, do you want to go for a ride along in the police car? I'm first of all shocked that Drew agreed to do this counseling. Yeah, that is true. I think he thought he could worm his way out of it and charm the pastor and maybe get the pastor to help control Stacy a little bit because he thinks he's super charming and he thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the room. He definitely does. Yes. So he takes the pastor out for a ride along and on this ride along, oh boy, he tells the pastor that Stacy just gets crazy sometimes, especially around her time of the month. And at this point, our dear Natalie Morales, Katie just threw something across the room. Our dear Natalie Morales loses it. She has flames on the side of her face. The pastor says he was super uncomfortable. Why on earth would a pastor be uncomfortable talking about one of his parishioners' periods with her husband? That's not why he got uncomfortable. I don't think. Do you think that's why? It's so uncomfortable. I think he got uncomfortable because it's so misogynistic. 100%. It's such a stupid way to think. Yes. No, I don't mean he was like grossed out by a period because he's a grown man. Yeah. I think he was uncomfortable because this is Neanderthal way of thinking. This is ridiculous that you would end this day and age. And say that to your pastor to try to get your pastor on your side in the relationship. Because what's the pastor going to say? Oh, yeah, women on their time. What in the world did you think was going to happen? Yeah, I hear you. And then they would like fist bump or something and be like, chicks, am I right? Yeah, You don't want to throw a red flag to your pastor. Don't say that. Yeah. So Drew tells the pastor, I'm not really religious. Another great thing I'll say, I'll take great things to say to your pastor for 500. Yeah. Let's talk about my wife's periods and tell him that I'm not religious. And he tells the pastor, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And the pastor says, well, we all have, we've all done things. And Drew stares off into the distance in this really creepy, evil movie villain type of way. And then he says, the thing is, I've never felt bad about any of the things I've done. And the pastor got freaked out and felt like he was talking to an actual sociopath slash psychopath, not sure which, and didn't ask any follow-up questions, which I was a little crazy by because I felt like he could have gotten a confession. I felt like Drew wanted to talk and he wanted to confess something and he felt like he has confidentiality with the- It's a priest confession. Yes, And so I do feel like if the pastor had pushed a little bit, Drew would have confessed. I think the pastor thought he was about to get killed. 100%. So that's where he was. I'm glad he's still alive. I also don't think that's true, by the way. That he doesn't feel bad about anything? No, I think he's trying. He's he's being dramatic. I think it's a show. I don't know. I really get the sense from him that he doesn't feel empathy at all. I think he doesn't feel empathy towards a specific sect of people, of humans. Women. I think that if he had done something to one of his sons, we would have a different conversation. Yeah. I think he hates women. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think it's old and I think something's happened a long time ago. I mean, I think it's all the stuff. Yeah. Deep-seated from his childhood or something. Right. But he hates them. And so he doesn't feel any kind of feelings when something happens to them. Is there a type of psychopath that only doesn't feel empathy towards women. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I would, I guarantee you there's some sort of thing here where you don't feel it towards this one thing. Yeah. I don't think he thinks of women as humans. I think that he thinks of women more like you think of a pet. Yes. Not talking about the way you think of a pet. I'm talking about like it's an, more of an object. Yes. That serves you. And when they don't serve you anymore, then you big old bye-bye. When your coffee maker breaks, you get a new one. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. At this point, oh, well, the pastor is talking to Natalie outside the coffee shop, which I did find amusing because sometimes they're outside the coffee shop, but sometimes they're in a studio. So I was like, which came first? Did they go to the studio? And then she was like, let's take this outside. Or did they have these? I'm sure they had these two sets planned so they could film there. I think they're at that very specific coffee shop because that's where he has an important conversation. But they don't do the whole thing there. Because he is on the the dateline for quite a bit. So I guess it's way too long of an interview to just do at the start. And his facial hair changes multiple times. Interesting. He has a beard in studio. At coffee shop, he does not. And then in his B-roll, he does not. So Pastor Neil talked with Stacy two months before she disappeared. She asked to meet with him. She said it was urgent. And they meet. Oh my gosh. She just blurts it out. He did it. Drew killed Kathleen. Wow. Wow. That's why the pastor is so important to this because he heard from Stacy that Drew did it. She tells him that Drew came home late that night and eventually made it clear that that's what he had done. And we'll get more details on that much later. She tells him, I don't want to go to the police. I just want you, the pastor, to know. And he felt like, she thought she was in danger. And that's kind of why she wanted to confess this to someone for him to know. So maybe he would know if something happened to her, it was Drew. And then she tells her sister, Cassandra, if something happens to me, Drew did it. Very shocking. So this is a hard one. Now it starts to get hard because she's told him this. How long before she goes missing is this? Two months. This was a mistake. And he acknowledges that. I think he feels very badly about it. Because if he had gone to the police, it may have, but it probably wouldn't have done anything, but he he should have immediately gone to the police and encouraged her. I think he's now dedicating his life to try to make it right, what he did. He is, which is so admirable. I think he was just a young pastor. He's pretty young now, and this is over 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think he just was unequipped to deal with that. I wish maybe he had sought counsel from like another pastor, maybe, and gotten some advice on what to do. I think she also probably begged him. Yeah, that's true. So Neil, the pastor, after Stacy goes missing, calls the police twice, leaves messages. No one comes to talk to him. No one calls him back. The rage that I'm feeling against this police department at this point. But then one day, Neil is appearing on a grand jury for a totally unrelated case. Wow. Something totally different. And a police officer with the state takes the stand and references Drew. And then Jesus takes the wheel and the pastor. The pastor raises his hand and is like, excuse me, excuse me. He's like Hermione Granger in the classroom. I love it. I have something important to say. And it totally shuts down the trial. He probably got kicked off the jury because you're not supposed to do that. But he 
gets to meet with the police officer. He tells him everything. And he finally then gets taken down to the station to give a statement. Finally. Thank God. At the state police. Nothing at the local level. Unless you're doing a podcast about true crime, you might not know that that's an option. That might not occur to you. Well, the state took over Kathleen's death because Drew was a police officer. So they didn't want the police investigating her death while Drew was on that police department. So they took over. He probably didn't know that. He would not know that, right. So then we meet another white-haired man with a thick mustache. His hair is all slicked back like Pastor Neil. He is Jim Glasgow. I thought it was his dad. Wait, you thought it was the pastor's dad? Yeah. Because the hair? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, they both have that slicked back. Greed is good. That's super gelled back. I don't know. I just know that this is the fanciest looking lawyer I've ever seen. And he looks like he's from Alabama. He's very fancy, Jim Glasgow. He has a thick mustache and I thought he looked a lot like Drew Peterson. Oh, I thought he looked like a fancy Colonel Sanders. Could That could be too. Like Colonel Sanders goes to the opera. <laughs> That's what I thought. And he didn't eat chicken. <laughs> He had brie on crackers. <laughs> Who's to say Colonel Sanders didn't go to the opera anyways? He probably brought chicken. That's why he's the fancy version. He's the state's attorney for the county. And when Stacy disappears, he hears about Kathleen's death, which he didn't hear about when she first died because it was ruled an accident. So it never got brought to his office. But now he's hearing about it. He's immediately suspicious. Not as much interested in the Stacy thing, but as in the Kathleen thing. So he thinks healthy women don't really die in the bathtub, which does add one strike towards murder in the bathtub mystery case, which was, there were things, she did have some health issues in the bathtub mystery that could have contributed to that. It's very confusing, but in the bathtub mystery case, the one expert said that you literally cannot drown if you are totally healthy and unimpaired because your natural reaction will be to wake up when your face hits the water or when you can't breathe underwater. You will wake up. But not everyone thinks that. It's very controversial, apparently. It drives me nuts to this day. Right. But a lot of people believe that you can't die in the bathtub unless you slip and fall and hit your head or you're super impaired. You think that? I really don't know what to think. <sighs> I need someone on this podcast to be sure. <laughs> but you know what? Jim Glasgow doesn't believe it happens. So let's go with him because he is great. He's a fancy Colonel Sanders. Because he's smooth like molasses and he wears the white tie and the cufflinks. <laughs> he's, is he Southern? No, but he should be. Okay, thank you. My name's Jim Glasgow. <laughs> I'm the state's attorney. He needs to not be, he's in the wrong state. He's in the wrong state, yeah. He was transported to a different state in Chad Daybell's portal closet. That's it. So Jim Glasgow shows Natalie a bunch of loosely photos and they're in this like strange wooden garage set that I didn't totally understand. Looked like a wooden garage door was behind them. I'm sure. Anyways, they find the most interesting spots that are like warehouses or like sets. I don't really know what they are. They don't want you to know. He's showing her pictures of the bathtub and the bathtub was apparently tiny, 40 inches by 22 inches. And I didn't know if that was tiny or not because I 
can't visualize that. And also I don't have a bathtub, so I couldn't measure. Do you want to see it? I can show you really quick. Is that what your bathtub is? No, I can show you a measuring tape, how big 22 inches is across my body. No, it's okay. You have no curiosity about it. It's not very big. No. Okay. Natalie calls it a baby tub. I think it is very small. I'm going to get my measuring tape. (laughs) I don't need it. It's fine. That's pretty wide. So you could totally fit in it widthwise. 100%. It's a child's tub. No, 22. Was that 22 inches? 22 inches this way. Like this. Yeah, you could fit into that. No problem. I could fit widthwise. I could fit widthwise into it. Yeah. But it's still only. Oh, well, 40 inches. I know how tall I am. Look it. But over my shoulder span, it's about four inches past my shoulder. So I wouldn't have very much room. I'd be tight in the tub. I see that. I'm 62 inches tall. 61 and a half. So you would not fit lengthwise in that tub. And I certainly wouldn't fit lengthwise in the tub. Yeah. So the state's attorney, Jim, gets, he got into the tub. He got to sit in the actual tub and he's six feet and he said his knees were in his face. And so his theory is if you started to slip, your feet would hit the front of the tub and you would stop falling, essentially. Also, there aren't bottles of shampoo everywhere. They are just sitting there. And if you fell, They would be all over the place. That happened in the bathtub mystery. That is another thing that people should really go back and listen to bathtub mystery and tell us what you think because we never came to a conclusion. Although we are like 70-30 that it was murder, I think. We are. But also she even had even more toiletries at the end of the bath. Yeah. She had a wide assortment. So I, in this case specifically, with the tub being that small, there's, I would think they'd absolutely be everywhere. Absolutely. Also, he's not six feet tall. I'm just going to say that. Oh, he is not six feet tall. I think he's lying. He may have fibbed about his height because we do see him in a press conference in about three minutes uh-huh. where if he's six feet tall, then the man that stands next to him is over seven feet. And I, <laughs> I need to meet that man. He's a foot shorter, at least. That's hilarious. It's astounding. I did feel like he paused slightly before he said six feet. He certainly did. With his hair, he might be six feet. Yeah, and no shame against him, but it's very funny. There's not at all. Everybody rounds to whatever they want. It doesn't matter. It was more like, I think, I'm a general six feet. Yeah. (laughs) But then you see him next to this person (laughs) who's, I I think, I don't know why he's so tall. (laughs) It's shocking. (laughs) So another main point that Jim feels points towards murder is that the water had been drained. Why is the blood still there? Because if she hit her head when she fell, the blood would go into the water. It would be diluted. So the water would be light red. And then all of that water with the blood diluted in it would have gone down the tub. There wouldn't be these streaks of undiluted blood in the tub, which totally makes sense to me. Also, her feet were pushed against the side of the tub on a very unnatural position. And like she was forced into that position. It's not how your body would go if you were falling. He orders a new autopsy for Kathleen's death. Where's the hit on her head? Where's the mark on her head? Unsure. Good question. Okay. Just because I feel like that would help in this trying to figure out how she actually hit her head. Because again, we're back to was her head by the faucet? No one's head is by the faucet when you're taking a bath. So I don't know. 
Um, sorry. Also, I didn't understand. I thought the streaks were on the outside of the tub. So they are in the inside of the tub. Yes. They exhume her body and she doesn't have any bruises from falling, but she has bruising on both sides of her collarbone, which he thinks, why would you get identical bruises on both of your collarbones? Like someone hit you on both of your collarbones. She had bruises from falling. Sorry. She did. She has 17 bruises. No, these are additional bruises, but they didn't think they were from falling. The 16 other bruises were not from falling? Okay. They say she doesn't have these bruises from falling, but she has a bunch of additional bruises that were suspicious, but they don't think were from falling. Weird. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Again, they would know more because they know where the cut was on her head. So they would know more where the bruises should be if she fell where she was supposed to have fallen. Are you trying to say that I wouldn't understand? No, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, How I, dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't saying that at all. I'm just saying I trust that that's what they said on t- Dateline. Well, we'll see. I'm just <laughs> <saying> it's fine. <laughs> all right. So yes, the collarbone, collarbone bruising is bad. That's not good. He thinks that her face was pushed into the toilet. Which is so degrading, is horrible, and is also, I hate to keep doing this, one of the main theories in the bathtub mystery. So he thinks, yes. They think he drowned her in the toilet? Yeah, and that's why her body was dry, but her hair was wet. Damp hair, dry body. When did they give that a motive? What, in this case or in the bathtub mystery? In the bathtub mystery. We never talked about that. Mm, I think we did. It's one of the theories. I did not know that. That's very interesting. That makes a lot more sense now. I wish we'd talked about it. Yeah. I would have been 80, 20. Maybe we just didn't talk about it, but I read it somewhere. Oh, okay. Interesting. But it kind of makes sense, right? Because her hair was kind of damp. Total sense. And her body was dry. Total sense. Weird. Okay, go ahead. But also this would explain Kathleen's bruises on the collarbone. If she, if her head was pushed into the toilet, her collarbones would be pushed against the toilet. Also, is there any chance that the guy from Bathtub Mystery studied the Drew Peterson case? It was many years later, right? Right. No. It was very famous, though. I don't think he was a true crime person or a crime person. No, I don't think so. So I think we're going to stop here, but stay tuned for part two because next time we're going to talk about he's sitting down with Hoda Kotby. She is not a fan. No, not at all. We have his whole trial. Mm -hmm. Has he been arrested yet? No. Not even, he hasn't even been arrested yet. We have his interview with Natalie Morales, which is epic. It's one of the best Dateline interviews I've ever seen. It's very good. She goes at him so hard and it's so good. Also, she goes at his defense attorney really hard and it's delightful. Also, there's another murder almost, which is shocking. There's so much more to come. Next time's going to be a long episode. So get ready because we also have some outside info. Yeah. Let's go through a little bit of B-roll and fashion police. Okay. So the one thing I noticed in B-roll Bonanza is Pastor Neil is adjusting these chairs in some sort of stand-up comedy hall. Where, where is he? What's, what's Pastor Neil doing? It has to be a church group. With a stage? 
oh, okay. So when we find out later what Pastor is doing with his, with that's dedicated to this case and dedicated to Stacy, mm-hmm. I think they do presentations and stuff like this. Okay. So they have speakers and stuff. Then in that case, I think he's messing up the chairs. <laughs> Is it a horseshoe pattern? Is it in rows? There's tables too. It seems to be busy work and he's shifting them to and fro to no specific purpose. Maybe he does work at a comedy club. There are tables. That's kind of funny. I enjoyed it because I couldn't figure out what what exactly was going to be the end result. If he became a stand-up comic instead of Drew Peterson, even though it was clearly Drew Peterson's dream, which we'll find out more about in part two. Oh, the justice, the sweet justice. That would be so brilliant. That would be great. That would be a huge kick in the nads to Drew. Pastor Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Pa- Pastor Justice. Pastor Justice. We see Cassandra working on cars, which I found interesting. I've never seen someone, male or female, working on cars. I don't think on Dateline. That can't be right. No, I've seen a mechanic working on cars. Have we? Yeah. There's a couple ones that kind of revolve around a gas station. And I'm sure we saw people working on cars, but I don't feel like we've seen a woman and that's not right. Women can absolutely work on cars. Go Cassandra. I don't think we've ever seen a woman now that I'm thinking about it. Not once. Good. That's exciting. What you got? The dogs. No. Oh, sorry. Search party with the dogs. They're all wearing matching shirts. I got excited for a second. Maybe the dogs were wearing matching shirts, but I don't think the dogs were wearing shirts in the search party. We see the printing press of the local paper. Mm-hmm. You know, the... Everybody loves that. Yeah. Are you being sarcastic? I loved watching the print. Are you kidding? It's the best B-roll. <laughs> it's so good. You don't find it fascinating? It's so exciting. You know what I used to love is on... Sesame Street when they would show how crayons are made at a factory. Yeah, love that. Love that. I watch YouTubes of that sometimes. That was like ASMR to me as a very young child. And I've had ASMR since I was a very young child. I like to watch the candy ones too when they make the candy bars. I love those. Yeah. The bats. And then it gets poured out into the... Yes. Those are the best. That's why Krispy Kreme is fun. Oh, because you get to go in. I know you don't like Krispy Kreme, but it's part of the fun is you get to watch them come through the conveyor and get like the glaze put on and stuff. It's really fun. I can see that. That sounds delightful. Kathleen, there's a photo of Kathleen with her sons and one of them is maybe seven years old and he's wearing a graduation cap and gown, which I thought was adorable. And I didn't know what it was for. He's too old to be going into kindergarten, it seems like. Coming out of kindergarten. Maybe going into first grade. He seemed in like the second or third grade range. Yeah, it could be. I guess it could be going into first grade. I don't can I don't know ages of children very well, but it was very cute. So let's go with that. Kindergarten graduation. We never had ceremonies like that. Or we did, but we didn't have caps and gowns. I've never seen it. The shock jock had a lot of toys. Man cow. Did he have those pop funk Funko? Yeah, he had lots of collectible toys. Sorry, he had, I shouldn't call them toys. They're figurines. Yeah, they're they're figurines. God forbid. Lots of collectible items that probably are worth a lot of money standing behind him because Oliver looked up his net worth. You're going to be shocked. (laughs) I don't even want to know. Do you want to guess? Why don't you guess? No. Starts with a one. It starts with a one? Guess the zeros. (laughs) (laughs) it's 10 million 10 million wow so he's been around for a minute yeah 
But he was a really good interview, actually. He spoke very clearly. Yeah, you want to hate him, but you kind of don't. Not in this series, you don't. I think some people did on Twitter, but I didn't. I felt like he was good at giving the tea. I thought he was too. I thought he did a good job of just being like, this is what happened. I think his personality on the air would probably drive me insane, especially because he calls himself Mad Cow. Man Cow, whatever. We were trying to figure that out. And I said, $100 that his slogan is, Man Cow, no bull. (laughs) Turns out he did not use that witty catchphrase. So I feel like maybe he pays me a few million. And then I'll give it to him. Trademark. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we get our boat. I feel like it's more like grab the bull by the balls. Oh, could be that. Man cow. Something with balls. Like he's very just. Okay. But here's why the boat and the tub are equal. I thought about it really quick. The boat and the tub lottery winning. Me getting you a boat, you getting me a tub. I'm going to use the boat. The boat, me getting you the boat is kind of also a little bit for me. Yeah, I know. It's like you're buying yourself a boat. Because I'd get to go on it? Yeah, you can use it whenever you want. The tub. I can't use your tub whenever I want. While less expensive, you don't even like a bath. I hate baths. It's like sitting in a tepid pool of your own filth. And that's why it's equal. I like it. Did it. Nailed it. Okay. Did you have any other B-roll from the part one? Because I did have some fashion police from part one. No, let's go. Okay. None of these is even important except Drew's brother, Paul is in a Canadian tuxedo during his B-roll. Oh, he is? Denim on denim. Denim jacket, blue shirt, jeans. Interesting. I liked it. He also has a perma smile, which is a little bit alarming to me. I get nervous about that. Wouldn't you, if your brother was Drew Peterson and everyone knew that your brother was Drew Peterson, you'd be constantly smiling so people would not think you were a murderer also? Maybe. You'd be like, I'm the nice one, I swear. Yeah, maybe you would. I might change my name. Really? That bad? 100%. If my last name was Peterson and I was brother to Drew Peterson. Yeah. Maybe just Peterson's. Just change it. Make your first name Peter and your last name Son. Peter Son. There you go. Did it. <laughs> so in the coffee shop, I had a few issues when they're outside because I can't figure out what the weather is mm. because we have Natalie is in a white jacket and boots. Mm-hmm you know, so a fall kind of outfit. mm -hmm. He's in a suit with no socks. Okay. You know, (laughs) that look. So it's very, I'm European. Miami Vice. He's a cool dresser. He wears skinny jeans and the other thing with a flannel. And then in that, he's wearing the suit with no socks. He just knows it's current, right? He's very current. There you go. He's modern. But behind him, there's a girl in a tank top and shorts and a guy in a t-shirt and shorts. So is it hot or is it cold? No. (laughs) Okay, where does Natalie live? Because if she lives in L.A., this makes sense. She goes to Illinois. She thinks, I'm going to the Midwest. I need to dress warmly. It's going to be very cold for her because she's used to L.A. He feels like it's like summertime practically there because it's not snowing. So that's why he is dressed cooler and the girl in the back with the tank top. But again, I don't know where Natalie lives. Sorry. Let me explain again. He's in a suit. Well, because he's look, dressed up for Dateline. A full suit. Yeah, he can't wear shorts for Dateline. I mean, he could. We've seen it before, but we don't approve. I mean, but he could wear like slacks and a button-down short sleeve. Yeah, but I think Natalie might live in New York. So my whole theory, I don't know. 
I also feel like she would know that if it's May, that more likely it would be warmer. I'm just saying it was a confusing image to my mind, who's like looking at all the clothes in the image. She lives in Los Angeles. Okay, so maybe they're just dressed up, but then maybe they should have moved the people behind them with shorts and tank tops. You know what? Someone on Twitter goes, so these people behind them at the Starbucks are actors, right? (laughs) Which I thought was really fun. Were they? They must be. I don't think so. I don't think Dateline hires extras. But I did think that was funny. But they would have had to sit there the whole time. But they're in shorts and a tank. Okay, just saying. That's that's all. And then there is a, sorry, a fancy, fancy lawyer's outfit is just marvelous. Uh, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel. He's wearing like a full black suit and then he has on a sort of cream colored tie with a bright white shirt and a bright white matching panky pocket square. And then also matches his white hair. It's the slickest. And then the perfect, like whatever the ring is, the signet ring he's wearing or his wedding ring. And then he's got the cufflinks. He's just put together to the nines and definitely drives a Mercedes. Okay. He's a dapper. Dapper. That's what I got. Dan. He's a dapper, dapper Dan. Dapper Dan. Yeah, dapper Dan. Okay. He's a dapper Dan. I like him. All right. That's all for part one. But first, before we go, I need to do a shout out to a... Dear, dear, incredibly generous Patreon, Carrie. She is just really incredible. But also, Carrie, she has a business that you can buy amazing things for for the holidays. She has a gorgeous company called Penny and Rose. And it says a scent for your thoughts under it because then there's Penny in the name. Oh, I love that. Get it? They sell these gorgeous flower diffusers that I am 100% ordering. They look like a vase of flowers, but the flowers are made from like paper and they diffuse the scents. So it looks like a glass, like a vase of flowers. It's incredible. And then she has ones that just look like a huge flower and they diffuse the scents. And the scents are called like Merry Mint and Grand's Cran Cobbler, which smells like berries and butter. Ooh, love that. It's butter. Home sweet cocoa. And there's one that smells like pumpkin spice and I'm a basic bee, so I'm probably going to get that one. Yeah. And she also has body mists and surface cleaners and linen room sprays. Just everything to make everything smell amazing and also makes really cute gifts. We cannot thank Carrie enough for her support of the podcast. And we will be putting a link to her business in our show notes. Thank you, Carrie. Carrie, you are a gem. We can't thank you enough. Seriously. Thank you so much. Carrie, she carries a lot. Carrie, she cares a lot. Sorry, I don't. That's close to the Care Bears song. We care a lot. Do, 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 do. Do it again. Do you remember that? Care Bears. That doesn't sound familiar at all. That might be one I made up for the Care Bears. So that's even more special. But you know what's coming into my head is gummy bears. Do gummy, gummy bears jumping here and there and everywhere. Gummy bears bounce here and there and everywhere. Yeah. Something, something that's beyond compare. Yeah. What? Why don't I know the Care Bears? I may have made it up, which again makes it more special. So Carrie, you get your own Carrie Care Bear song. There you go. 
It really does. And I wouldn't be surprised at all that you made up a theme song that you thought was real. I'm sure I did. That's delightful. Everybody, thank Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. So I think that's it. We're going to wrap up for part two. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Date Dateline and check out our other podcast, A Date with the Bake. There's only two episodes left. So really get yeah, on. Yeah, we're in the semifinals. It's intense now. Also, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. That is all. Just try to stay alive, people. Try to stay alive. Yeah, we're just all trying to stay alive. Bye. Bye. She's ending with Dateline at the end of this year. So this might be our very last Natalie. And what a way to go. I didn't recognize her. I didn't know who it was. I kept saying, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? We've met her. Sure have. It was something in the hairstyle. She's been on Dateline for a year now. Face blindness. I I don't understand. I was having a stroke. I was. <laughs> we spent like a full day with her. I totally. I get it. It was something she lightened her hair a significant amount, and for some reason, normally me who can't do, I'm pretty good. I I no. You're very good, except for not Matt Murphy. The other Matt Murphy, yes, Matt Murphy, and the other one. Is it Matt Murphy and the other one? The other one. John Lewin, that you can never, ever, ever remember. That's hilarious. I'm embarrassed. At least I can admit when I have problems. Wait, are you leaving this part in? Probably shouldn't. I think it's really funny. Adam, move it to the end. Put it at the very end. So in case Natalie's listening. Move it to the end. And also nothing on her. It's just something in my brain didn't click over that I'm like, because I am also, I think Natalie's gone. Yeah. So I'm like, who's this new person they're trying to bring in? And also, I didn't recognize her voice right away. I don't know why. (laughs) It was wild. Anyways, it's so good to see Natalie. (laughs) Good save. Don't laugh like that. I'm trying to make it so I can go seamless and Adam can cut this. It's really good to see Natalie.